Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Well, I'm excited to be able to uh, speak this morning. I think it's a privilege. And uh, before we dive in, I just want to give honor where honor is due. And I think one of my favorite parts about being on staff at this local church is that students are, was a priority before I even got here. Like Senior Honor Day was already put into effect before I got here. And the emphasis and importance on students was always here. And I think that culture was created from Pastor Rocky and Miss Mandy and Pastor Andrew. And I think it's only because of them for the plus almost 10 years now for making students an importance. So I wanted to give honor where honor is due this morning. So thank you for making students important in our local church. It's so important. Parents, thank you for being here today. You'll never know how much it means until your kid is like 25 like me and you realize everything that you did for them and then you finally get to the point where it's like, man, my mom wasn't so bad after all. So thank you for making today such a priority and students such a priority. I know that this is going to be such a cool day. But this is a me too sermon. This is a sermon where I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure out this isn't something that I've mastered or that I have authority to speak over. And I'm just like, yeah, this is it. This is the truth. This is this. This is something that I'm still learning. It's a Me Too sermon. And I think if we were all being honest with ourselves this morning, that there's times in our life when we all feel inadequate. There's times in our life when we all feel like we're not good enough, like we're not capable, like we're inadequate, and we come into this place like a Jordan River that we're going to read about in Joshua chapter 1, where we don't know what to do. But I think we can discover some things today on what to do when we don't know what to do. So if you'll open with me to Joshua chapter 1, bear with me, it's going to be seven verses. You can open up your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. And you can follow along with me on the screen if you'd like to. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates rivers in the east and the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Today's message is called, It's Your Thing. And because I'm a youth pastor, we have to do this. So look at the person next to you and say, It's Your Thing. Now look at the person you ignored on your other side and say, it's your thing. It's your thing. I love this part in the Bible because Joshua has this awesome responsibility and calling on his life. And basically Moses is dead and God comes into the picture and is like, tag, Joshua, you're it. It's time to lead these people. And Joshua and his family and all the tribes of Israel, they find themselves at the Jordan River. And I found myself there lately as well, being a new father. I've learned so much stuff in the past five and a half months as being a dad. And there's one thing that I figured out is that people 
people like you automatically more because you have a cute kid. So selfishly, I want to show you a picture this morning of my cute kid. His name is Brody Liam. This was taken at Easter, so now he's about five months old, but he is our pride and joy, and he's awesome. And as a new dad, I'll never forget my wife telling me in my office next door, at Miss, right after Miss Mandy's uh, spring event last year, and we actually announced it this year, last year, it came up on my time hop. If you got a time hop, uh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, if you don't, go ahead and download it, but uh, you'll catch up soon. And uh, so she came over to my office, and Miss Mandy had just preached a great sermon, and uh, it was the first time I actually heard her speak, and I was blown away, and my wife came in the, in the, in the office and said, hey, um, I'm pregnant. And she laid not just one pregnancy test, not just two, not just four, but six pregnancy tests on my desk, telling me, stating that she was now pregnant and it wasn't a mistake. So obviously, I'm a baby and I cry at literally everything. I almost cried when I looked back at my son just now. And so I'm very emotional. I'm probably the girliest guy that will ever step foot on this stage. Um, and so I, we, we both were crying. And I would like to say it was because of joy, but it was really because out of fear. I was like, I have no idea how we're going to pay for this. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have never seen a baby naked or changed a diaper in my life. So I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to be a father. So we came up with this great plan. We're going to download all the applications on your phone, right? If you have the bump on your, uh, that app on your phone, you get to see what type of vegetable or, uh, or fruit the size of your baby is in that trimester. We, we know people started sending us all these books, and I just passed them off to Stephanie, and just I'm assuming she read them because I didn't. And we asked people for all this advice, like, you know, hey, how was it in the delivery room? Or, hey, how was this? Or how do you do it when you come home? And, you know, what does life look like for you? And I remembered that everything was completely pointless the moment I held Brody in my arms. I mean, everything up until that point was completely pointless. All the preparation, all the videos, all, you know, everything that we had watched and learned and read and downloaded on our phone was completely pointless. And I remember being so intimidated and so scared. And seniors, just to put this into perspective, I haven't forgot about you this morning, but most of you probably have your driver's license at this point in your life, right? So you go through driver's training, and then you have to drive for a year, a year and a half, or two years with your parents, and you try not to kill them in the car because, you're terif because they're terrified. So you drive with them, and then you eventually have to pass the test. Some of you, it took maybe two times, maybe three times. I'm not going to say any names this morning. But you know, you have to take a test, and then you finally get your driver's license, and you're able to operate a vehicle on the road. In order to take a baby home from the hospital, all you have to do is have the car seat properly installed. Being 100% honest this morning, the car seat was not even properly installed in my car, and they still let us go home. <laughs> and I'll never forget being so intimidated and asking myself the question, how am I going to raise a godly man? My son, how am I going to raise him to love God? I think I have the greatest wife in the world. We're celebrating two years tomorrow on our anniversary. And I'm like, how am I going to get my son to pick out the perfect woman for him who loves God, who loves church, who, who loves doing great things and has good character and, and values and morals? Or how am I going to get him to love the church? I love the church. I'm passionate about God. I love students. I love people. How am I going to get him to love God's church and God's house just as much as I do? And I have all these questions, and maybe you have the question, and you're here today, seniors, and you've been struggling with the same issue through middle school, through high school. You're like, Pastor Josh, now I'm going into college, now I'm an adult, now I'm going into the real world, and I've been struggling with the same issue year after year after year. 
Or maybe some of you are joining the military or, or moving across the country to join college and you're so afraid what life is going to be like outside of Newberry. Or maybe you're the mom in here and you barely got your kids outside of the house on time to church this morning. Maybe you happened to get on Instagram or Facebook and you saw that your best friend, all of their kids are matching. Their socks were at least matching. They had breakfast this morning. She has something cooking in the crock pot. She had time to cook or to cut her, her kids' sandwiches in little dinosaur shapes. And she has her life together and you seem so in over your head. Or maybe you're the dad this morning who has been working year after year after year at your job. And you have a promotion waiting for you, and God has blessed you with that, but you're afraid to take that next step or cross that Jordan River in your life because you're afraid of what it's going to be like on the other side. I think there's times in our life when we don't know what to do, where we're at. We find ourselves at the Jordan River. So I want to talk about three things this morning that we can do when we don't know what to do. And the first thing is this. You have to clarify your calling. In Joshua chapter 1, we see that Joshua is now the leader, and he's taking a step of faith by leading and being who Moses was. And just to put this into perspective for us this morning, I want to read Moses, uh, Deuteronomy, not Moses, there's not a book of the Bible called Moses, but Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 11 and 12. And this is what it says. It says, The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all of his service and all of his servants and entire land with mighty power Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of Israel basically Moses had better breath than Joshua everything Moses did was so much better than Joshua Moses was the man and now Joshua is taking over I'm not going to lie, I'm a very transparent leader, and so this is how I felt when I first came to Destiny Community Church. Pastor Andrew had been the only youth pastor at this church for almost seven or eight years at that time. And if you know Pastor Andrew, then you love Pastor Andrew. He's funny, he's well-dressed, even though we like to make fun of his skinny jeans. He told me this morning that my skinny jeans are not supposed to be skinny, I'm just fat. I'm just kidding, he didn't say that. <laughs> But that my skinny, mine are regular. They're not boot cut, but you know, they're, they're supposed to be not, they're a little bit, so supposed to be a little bit uh, baggier. Uh, but I just go for the Pastor Andrew look. I mean, he's the best dressed guy in the room. It's like he has a Pinterest board full of all these pinned outfits. That when he goes to the mall, he just checks out Pinterest. This is the outfit that I want to go. I'm sorry, don't pick on me when you close service, please. I know you're way, you're way better at it than I am. But this is how, you know, Moses must have felt, or Joshua must have felt. Moses was the man. And I remember I would always go into Pastor Andrew's office and say, hey, Pastor Andrew, here's the problem. What do I need to do in this situation? Or hey, Pastor Andrew, I have this going on in my life. I know this event is happening. What do I need to do? And it seems like I was there every single day. I'm sure Pastor Rocky had to give him a raise for all the questions that he had to ask or answer that I asked. And there's a specific afternoon that would change my life and change the destiny and the course of the way that I would think. I said, Pastor Andrew, what do I need to do in this situation? And he said, listen, don't worry about what I did. Worry about what God is calling you to do. It's your thing. Do your thing now. And I realized that in Joshua 1, chapter, or verse 5, it says this. It says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. 
And I had to realize that God was calling me to be myself and that God is calling you this morning to be yourself. And the difference is Moses was called to lead the people out of something and Joshua was called to, people, was called to lead the people into something. It was the same promise of, hey, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you or fail you. I got your back. I'm going to be with you. But you're called to do something different. It's your thing. And seniors, if I can give you any piece of advice this morning, that's not as good as Pastor Rocky's advice, obviously. But the second piece, the best piece of advice this morning is going to be this, is that when you were younger, in kindergarten, you probably did projects all the way up into elementary school, people always ask you, what do you want to be? What do you want to be with your life? Some would say a singer. Some would want to say a doctor or a nurse or this or that. But now that you're going into adulthood, seniors, they're going to start asking you, okay, your name is Summer, what do you do now? It's no longer, hey, Maddie, what do you want to do or what do you want to be? It's now what do you do for a living? And the best piece of advice that I can give you this morning is to not to create another to-do list, but to create a to-be list in your life as you're figuring out who you are. I think we need to put aside the to-do list and create a to-be list this morning. If there's one thing that I've learned, it's you can only do what God wants you to do when you become who God wants you to become. You got to clarify your calling. And even when I'm in the mirror in the morning, this, and I'm just like, hey, I can do this like a morning like today when I'm challenged and I have to do something that's out of my comfort zone. I say, all right, I'm Josh Williams. I got this. I'm called. I'm clarifying my calling. I can do this. And I'm at this Jordan River. And then doubt starts to seep in. So the second thing that we can do when you don't know what to do is this, is deal with your doubts. I think doubt is a seed and it's up to us what we do with it. And unmanaged, the seed of doubt turns into discouragement and fear. And seniors, most of your entire life, whether you like to admit it or whether you don't like to admit it, you've tried to be a part of the in crowd. Maybe you didn't want to be the coolest kid. Maybe you didn't want to be, you know, what, what other kids were doing. But you wanted to be well-liked. You want to have a good reputation. You want to be a part of the in crowd. Well, there's going to be another in crowd that comes into your life next year when you start college. And the in crowd is now called incapable or insufficient. And those, the enemy's voice in your life is going to be the in crowd now that you're going to try and get away from. Uh, get away from. And in Joshua 1.9, it says this, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We aren't going through this alone. And when I deal with my doubts, and seniors, once you get to your freshman year of college and those doubts start to seep in and you've clarified your calling and now you have to deal with your doubt, you'll realize that you can look at doubt as a gift. And doubt is the gift that God gives us to produce dependence on him. Doubt is the gift that God gives us to produce dependence on him. And what does that look like? For us as a church this morning, it looks like, God, I need you to help me in my business. For seniors, God, I need you to help, you, help me in my freshman year of college. God, I need you in my marriage. God, I need you in this relationship. God, I need you in blank aspects of my life. We all have that Jordan River in front of us that is that fill-in-the-blank moment for us where we say, God, I need you. I'm inviting you into my life. I'm inviting you into this area of my life because I need to deal with my doubt. And it's hard. It's hard to deal with your doubts. I got a call this week from my mom, and my mom called me. And it's one of those calls you never want to get from a parent. And she said, hey, I got some bad news. I went to my oncology appointment to see my doctor, 
and um, they think that my cancer has come back. My, number, my numbers have quadrupled, and I have a CAT scan this Friday to see what area of my body the cancer has come back. I got a call like that two years ago. Stephanie was a, owned a dance studio, and I was leaving school. I taught middle school and high school, and I was going to see her at her dance studio, I got that same call, only it's from my Aunt Sandy. And my aunt called me and said, hey, the procedure didn't go as well as we thought it would. Your mom's actually in a coma right now, and she has stage four cancer. That started in her ovaries, went to her lungs, went everywhere. From her bladder to her stomach, and it's going to be a journey from here on out for the rest of her life. All those emotions, all that doubt, that I felt two years ago, flooded my life. And I knew I had to preach this Sunday. I had this prepared when I got that call from my mom. I immediately told her, we have to deal with our doubts, mom. We have to deal with our doubts. Your cancer may be back, but God's not finished with you yet. Your cancer may be back, but God still wants to heal you. Despite what the cat skin says, despite what the numbers say, we have to believe that God has healed you twice already, and he's going to heal you again. So we have to clarify our calling. We have to deal with our doubt. And so we're standing at the front of the river, and God is calling us to cross it. But how? And the third thought is so simple, and it's to step into your stream. Step into your stream. If you're a Bible nerd or you like history or maybe you were raised in church and went to Sunday school, you know that Moses had already led the children of Israel across the sea. They had already, already you know, went across one body of water. And Moses had specific instructions in that day of what to do when it came to crossing the sea. But Joshua is now in a harder predicament because he has no clear instructions on what to do. It's just cross the river. And in Joshua 3, I don't have time to touch on it, but we find out that it's flood season. And I thought, isn't that just like life? God calls us to do something. We get there. We're ready to cross the Jordan River and wait. It's flood season. Man, it was bad and then it got worse. And it's going to get worse before it gets better a lot of times in our life. And there's no specific directions that Joshua is given to cross the river. Just simply step into the stream. Seniors, there's going to be no specific directions next year on how to survive college as a freshman. There's going to be no specific directions on how to survive and, and be a Christian in college. But if God was faithful to you in high school, then he's going to be faithful to you in college. I think Joshua knew something that God had already parted the waters before for Moses, and he had said, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. So Joshua knew he was going to come through with for him when it came to crossing the stream. And I think we as a church this morning need to stand on the pillar and the landmark moments in our life when God has been faithful to us in our past and believing that God's going to be faithful to us in our tomorrow. So what's that step that God is calling you to take today? Maybe God's calling you to be generous. And you have a fear that you can't see the foreseen bills that are going to come your way or the, or the breakdowns that you're going to have to pay for. And God's just saying, listen, I'm going to handle your future. You just take a step in the right direction and be generous. Maybe you want to raise your kids to be good Christians and, and you're like me and you struggle with that. You're like, man, how am I going to do this? Maybe your kid is, is, is living out in the world or is living astray and necessarily love God's house or love church. 
And like, God, how do, I, how do I do this, man? I want to make this a priority in my, in my son's life or my daughter's life. And God's just saying, listen, just take a step and bring them to church. Just get them to Destiny Kids on a Sunday. Get them to church on a Wednesday. Maybe you want your spouse to change or a family member to change. And you try loving them right where they're at and it doesn't work. And God is just simply saying, hey, just say a prayer for them today. Put them first. Prefer them over yourself. Joshua had so many things in his life to be intimidated by. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, there is a thing in our life that we're intimidated, intimidated by as well. But seniors, when you do your thing, it's your thing. When you do your thing, you're enabling God to do his thing for you. I think Joshua knew that it was only God that parted the waters and dried up the river when he stepped into it. Later on, we know that Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho, but it was Joshua who only had to take a step. It was Joshua who only had to march, and it was God who ended up tearing down the walls for him in his life. I think there's something that we can learn from the life of Joshua, and it's that when we do what we can in the natural, God can do what he can in the supernatural. And I love the ending that Moses had to his life. Clearly, it said that no one did acts like him in the sight of the Lord. And, and he did such great things. But Joshua did some pretty great things in his life. And his life ended well as well. And it says in Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, it says this. Soon, these are his last words. He said, soon I will die going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord, your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. And seniors, I want to leave you with that closing remark that God is speaking great things over your life. The promises in your life that he's promised you have not failed and nor will they ever. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person for service times and directions log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.